United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Want Women in Peace Talks mandated, so writes our next guest. The evidence on ending violent conflict is clear. When women participate in negotiations, it helps achieve peace. One of the findings that we are going to discuss with Carla Capel, who's vice president for the Center for Applied Conflict Transformation at the United States Institute of Peace, tweeting at Carla Coppell. I'll spell it in a bit. Carla, welcome. Thank you for being on POTUS today. Thank you for having me. So this study, uh, this evidence, 182 signed peace accords over two decades, 35% more likely to last at least 15 years when women were involved. Give us a sense of how this study unfolded and, and, and maybe some more findings that we need to know about this. So the study looked at these accords and how long they endured, whether or not there was a recurrence of violence, how much the peace stuck once you had a, had a, had a set of talks and negotiations and, and signed a deal. And it found clear evidence that when you brought in a broader range of voices, uh, the peace deals worked better. Now, the evidence is clear that that's still in the minority of negotiations. There was a, another study that found that between 1992 and 2011, only 9% of negotiators were female, 4% of witnesses and signatories to accord, and only 2% of mediators were female. So we have a long road to travel before we actually bring all voices into talk. So one of the things you mentioned in this piece that you've written is that the UN Security Council Resolution 1325 on Women, Peace, and Security which passed in 2000, called on the prote- for the protection of women and girls in conflict zones and for their inclusion in discussions of peace and security issues worldwide. Are they failing or, or are countries failing on both counts or just on the latter part that is taking part in discussions on security and peace? So I think there's a long road to travel uh, in general, but I think there's been more attention to issues related to protection of women as victims in, in war than there has been on their participation. The statistics on on participation are abysmal. With regard to protection, there's been increased attention to sexual violence. When you look at criminal tribunals, they've started to talk about rape in times of conflict. There's more of a discussion. Uh, work on humanitarian operations, for example, Typhoon Haiyan, uh, which I was involved in providing relief around. There was a real attempt to, to prevent, um, prevent and protect women uh, in the response effort. Uh, so there's, there's, been, there's been progress. Um, that said, there's still a lot more to do, and I think it's not just a question of, of will, but really understanding how to go about having a comprehensive protective effort that works. Carla, is this something that has a cultural attachment to it, say paternal societies? Is it more f- frequent? Is it, is it something that has changed over time? I mean, the difference between, say, 2000 and 2017 and looking at these conflicts, or is it just the, the, give us your insight on that. Uh, I think it's made a little bit of progress, and perhaps there's a, a, a dose of paternalism and cultural norms, but really the statistics are so bad you can't, you can't really argue that that's really the only thing that's at play. Fundamentally, the issue is whether or not you bring a wider range of, of stakeholders, of people who care about peace, to talk other than the people who are bearing weapons. And usually the, the commanders and the chiefs of negotiations are, are male leaders of fighting forces, uh, and a uh, mediator needs to make a decision to say, I'm going to involve other people than, than people who are carrying weapons uh, in my peace talks and my peace negotiations. And, and that's a choice that most mediators haven't been willing to make. Okay, so you've identified the issue, identified the problem, possible solutions other than saying you should do this or you should do that. Is there any way to actually make that happen? 
Well, I think if you look at the sort of the arc of the narrative has evolved. Today we have this kind of data and statistical evidence. Uh, there also are incredible anecdotes. I was working with uh, Sudanese women who were uh, brought in eventually in the sixth round of negotiations to talks, and, and they brought up issues like civilian security, which had never been raised. They had evidence from, the ground, from on the ground uh, that some of the debates around water rights, for example, were being debated about rivers that no longer existed. So they were bringing important evidence to the fore in those conversations. Um, what you need to really do is, I believe, change the incentive framework. You need to make it clear uh, to mediators and negotiations that they win when they bring women to talks. Otherwise, uh, there's no real reason to change the formula for negotiating uh, nothing that compels them to do so, notwithstanding a growing body of persuasive evidence. I love that you can bring in an anecdote. I may, I wonder if there's any others you can share because it, it's a specific that it gives us a greater appreciation for it. Sure. So I worked with Palestinian women, and we were talking about the Oslo Accords between Israelis and Palestinians, and I asked them why would it matter in terms of the substance of the accord, and they said the Oslo Accords uh, drew areas A, B, and C for differing levels of autonomy for Palestinians. Uh, but those lines were drawn in ways that didn't make sense to communities on the ground. They said, you know, we, if we had been involved in talks, we would have drawn those lines differently, and it would have uh, created higher levels of satisfaction without uh, compromising the negotiations. And um, later on, I was talking with a representative from the Israeli Defense Forces who had been involved in those talks, and, and, he, and then when I brought this up to him, he said, they're absolutely right. We needed somebody who had better knowledge of the situation on the ground. When I was a different anecdote. When I was working with Ugandan women who were advocating for a voice in talks, uh, one of the pieces that was missing was bringing along the, um, the people in the country because the talks were taking place in another nation. And uh, these women, when they got into the talks, and this is in some ways a story of success, uh, they actually brought news back to the people on the ground that enabled uh, greater buy-in to the accords and a greater understanding of what they needed to what they needed to do to bring peace forward. So there are lots of concrete examples from many different countries around the world uh, that provide compelling compelling evidence that it does make a difference. Indeed, uh, Carla Capel with us with the United States Institute of Peace. I wonder if you could give us a sense of the act that was recently passed by Congress, the Women, Peace, and Security Act of 2017, signed into law by the president, which evidently is intended to do just what you're talking about to engender the kind of participation. Does it does it go far enough? Does it do what needs to be done? Is it is it a step in the right direction? I think it's a step in the right direction. I think it's important progress. I think it demonstrates that this is a bipartisan issue. We've seen progress. Uh, within the United States government on issues related to women, peace, and security, uh, stretching back all the way to the Bush administration through the Obama administration and into the Trump administration, uh, has been has retained the commitment to gender equality and women's empowerment. Women, Peace, and Security Act was, of course, passed by Congress, and it's wonderful to see this bipartisan act, which essentially reflects an enduring commitment on the part of the U.S. government and the legislative branch, at least, to uh, continuing to press for more inclusive peace processes with women front and center. All right. Well, I've, the big lesson I got out of this is that you're saying with women participating, it's not just a matter of perspective and a way of treating issues, but it's also important knowledge that brings issues that may heretofore been neglected in the peace process from being discussed. Absolutely. One could argue that this is a, a philosophical or rights-based argument that it's important, but fundamentally it's about how you bring peace to countries that have had intractable conflict. And the evidence is fairly indisputable that uh, if you bring these forces, if you bring them into conversation, you're more likely to get a good peace. Carla, I appreciate you spending time with us on POTUS today. Thank you. 
Thank you for making space for the conversation. It's an important one. Indeed, Carla Coppell is Vice President for the Center for Applied Conflict Transformation at the United States Institute of Peace. Joining us here on POTUS to discuss that issue, tweeting at Carla Coppell, C-A-R-L-A-K-O-P-P-E-L-L, or you can tweet at USIP. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.